0: episode 131 of rpg fans retro encounter the podcast where week to week any topic is game we sometimes literally plan it a few days before sometimes months in advance (laughs) but today i'm joined by one of the retro encounter originals chris kabauer
1: hi man how you doing
0: I'm doing alright. I'm doing alright. I've had a big weekend, but that's, uh, that's neither here nor there. Uh, Chris, we're in the middle of Zelda Month, a uh, project that's been a little while in the making for Retro Encounter. Four Zelda themed episodes in a row. Last week, mm-hmm. you heard us talk about our favorite Zelda game. And if you want to find out what Retro Encounter's official favorite Zelda <laughs> game is, I suggest you listen to the episode. But today, we're going to discuss a Zelda title, a specific Zelda title that did not win that illustrious award oh last goodness. week sadly uh reverse spoilers <laughs> i guess
1: this uh, eliminates one of many choices sure man. if, if you're listening
0: out of order uh then i apologize for the one tiny one eighteenth spoiler but yeah, <laughs> yeah we're talking to talk about the legend of zelda Link's awakening today it's a personal zelda favorite of mine and I specifically yeah. wanted to do an episode about this for Zelda Month, for um, in part because it's a sentimental favorite, but also because uh, it came out 25 years ago. I, and I think uh, the official release date was in the summer, so it's we're, like, we're not, you know, <laughs> accurate to its anniversary to the month. But I thought it was as good a time as any to celebrate either the game's 25th anniversary or the GB Color version's 20th anniversary.
1: I didn't realize it was actually that long. Yes. I somehow thought it came out later. Oh, that makes so much more sense. Okay. Because, yeah, I, you say this was a personal favorite of yours. This mm-hmm. was my first Zelda. And uh, it was... Yeah, I mean, when this came out, when my brother's copy, I guess I was three, four years old. So... I had a lot of trouble with this game when I was a kid, but I loved it dearly.
0: As did I. I guess, I guess it came out when I was seven because I'm a, a little older than you are. But I was playing it in the age nine, ten, eleven range. Um, yeah. And I, I truly don't know if this was my first Zelda or not because I did have a Game Boy before, uh, before any ha- any home console. But I yeah, think same. I think I was playing Link's Awakening and the original Legend of Zelda around the same time.
1: Interesting. Okay.
0: Yeah, because I, I again I, I got consoles late, so I had a uh, I had an NES when the Super Nintendo was out, but I oh
1: I see yeah yeah yeah, totally. yeah
0: I I struggled with both this game and with the original Legend of Zelda. I eventually did finish Link's Awakening after same. some struggle, which we'll, we'll, we'll get. I think we struggled but around the struggle. same part of the game. I, I think yep. I think uh, we'll we'll talk about that struggle late, a little bit later. But I I truly do not know if this or the first Legend of Zelda was my first, but it was definitely one of those two. And this is the first one I finished. In fact, it was my love of this game that caused me to seek out a link to the past when I eventually got a Super Nintendo around age nine or ten, when I was in uh, again, which would have been like nineteen ninety five, I think.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So uh, again, again, I, I got consoles late for the most part <laughs> growing up, but. Uh, Chris, this is the fourth Legend of Zelda game. The team that worked on it was um was most of the same people that worked on A Link to the Past. It originally began life as a Game Boy port of A Link to the Past, but they abandoned that uh, pretty early on, and sort of it sort of spun into its own thing. And the three uh, the three people that were chiefly behind its design and writing are okay. I'm gonna mess up some Japanese names, so Sorry, you me. Me the shot. Yep. Okay, we have uh the. Um, story planner Yoshiaki Koizumi, the mm-hmm. script writer Kensuke Tanabe, and the game director Takashi Tezuka, and those three guys are all still with Nintendo, like uh, like um, Tezuka's last project was being a uh, a producer for ARMS last year, mm-hmm. and uh, and all three of those guys worked on both A Link to the Past and this game, and we chiefly responsible for the ways that the, – the weird directions that uh, this game went in its sto- uh, story design and gameplay design. Um, That's a
1: cool little tidbit. Isn't that <laughs> great? I lo- you got to love when companies can still have uh, employees for that long of a tenure. And still want to be involved.
0: Yeah, all, the, all three of these guys worked on Nintendo games in the yep. 80s and are probably less involved in a sort of direction or coding uh, level at Nintendo nowadays.
1: But all <laughs> now they are your producers and yeah. <laughs> executives.
0: Yeah, they're, they're all super um, uh, producers or supervisors for recent yeah. games. Yeah. Uh, and and none of them quite the, have the same career either. They like the. I, I don't know if they if there was a game a single game that all three of them worked on after this. And I, I don't I don't feel like checking Wikipedia or IMDb that for that level of research. But <laughs> this is a, a weird, cool little Nintendo thing yeah, for a lot of reasons so that cool. for a lot of reasons. But uh, I don't I don't want to go through the game's story in a linear way. And listeners are going to spoil the hell out of the story as we go. So like uh, if you want to avoid spoilers, just forget it. Just pick another episode but (laughs) so uh chris tell me one thing that you think sticks out about link's awakening that's really worth discussing right now
1: novelty charm there's so much random stuff in this game that always made me that when i first discovered it as a kid and even playing it again now for the first time in about what 18 to 20 years oh it's been that long yeah i i I beat it when I was... No, I guess a little bit less than that, so like 18 years. I beat it when I was like 9 or 10. And then, uh, yeah, never played it again since, because when I was younger, whenever we would get a new console, my mom would always basically say, well, then we could give away your other stuff, because you don't need it anymore. That Well,
0: so, um, I mean, my philosophy was almost the opposite. I'm a I'm a big pack rat with video games, in part because my parents told me well, that... I am now. Well, my, 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 part of the deal was when I was a kid, my parents said that... Uh, any video games buying would be from me and my own work and my own work uh, and allowance oh, like they maybe right. maybe a, a Christmas present now and then but I uh, the, the video game collection was mine <laughs> and uh, I, I could buy or sell yeah, them worth. but they, they wouldn't you know buy stuff for me anymore the, me. but so I I kept most of my games I sold a lot of my game boy games when I was about 20. <laughs> uh, be, because there because I knew there were some I was never going to play again, but I kept sure, Link's sure. Awake- I, I kept Link's Awakening because and I've played that game probably Ugh. at least four or five times. I don't know exactly how many, but I recently replayed it for this podcast uh, in the January February range. Uh, so but you're right. Um, this game has a lot of weird, unique notes to it that really haven't been present in any Zelda game since. I mean, there's Goombas.
1: Well there's, well, there's, yes, first and foremost, there's a lot of universe-breaking, uh, like, just Nintendo crossover stuff. There are enemies that you fight that are Goombas, Piranha Plants, uh, you Cheep Cheeps, the Octopi from, I, well, I'm not going to say 100% those are the Mario ones, but they look pretty similar. You have Kirby enemies in the 7th dungeon, I can't remember if they're also in the 8th, but... Yeah, there's uh, the Yoshi doll, which is the first item you need for the trade sequence quest.
0: Yeah, there's also uh, no Princess Zelda in this game. The game does not take place no. in, Hi- in Hyrule, which is... Which, uh,
1: by the way, I will say this. When you're a really young kid, as in just learning how to read, about four or five years old, playing this game, and it's called *Legends of Zelda, and the whole game outside of the opening, when I think, when you're waking up, the guy's like, Zelda? I have no idea who you're talking about. And, never mentioned again.
0: <laughs> and that uh, the item trading side quest that you mentioned has one item that's a that's I believe a letter. And the photo in the letter is of yes. Princess Toadstool, yes. not Zelda. Yes. So yes. it has Mario's oh, princess, but not but not Zelda's princess in this.
1: Uh, yeah. And the Yoshi doll, the writing for it is fantastic, which is like it's a Yoshi doll. He's getting so popular. This I'm paraphrasing a little bit, but the the line that's important is. He's showing up in all sorts of games now. <laughs> You're just like, what? It's the best. It's just so bizarre. It's an, it just the whole game now, especially looking back, but even as a kid, it just felt so weirdly aware of itself, which for better or worse, I don't think they intended it as much as, because I've heard that a lot of those enemies and whatnot came about from them just fooling around. However, it does kind of play into what ends up being the ending of the game, which is this idea of it all being a dream. Of right. a fish, So it actually kind of allows for all this weird stuff to exist together, which I'm sure is uh, how a lot of game design you know, story elements end up later. I'm sure it's just like, well, we can explain anything away afterwards because it's all a dream. But it allows for these just strange choices that you don't see ever again. And that's why, and I assume why you feel the same as well, that it's such a special little Zelda game.
0: The, the dream thing works pretty well in this game. That kind of ending, where oh, it was all a dream, which you could call the uh, one of the Bob Newhart shows ended in, ended in a weird dream sequence. Uh, Mario Two ends in a it's sort of it was all a dream kind of ending. Mm-hmm. Uh, you could maybe extend Somewhere. that to the film version of The Wizard of Oz even, but uh, like the, that um, story device. Is uh, like I, I, a lot of the time, I would consider it lazy or a cop out. But for this, it sort of works because they uh, tease it for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, it it becomes clear that uh, that you're in a dream and fighting the nightmares of a strange being around the around the game's midpoint, maybe around the dungeon five or six range. And
1: do you mean and, with the mural or just in terms of how things are unfolding? I think I, I always felt like uh, I knew way ahead of the game, letting you know
0: it's teased early at least um, uh, for, for a while i think you truly believe that you're stranded on an island but then when you start talking to denizens denizens they'll say wait outside the island what do you mean what, what does outside the island mean you're making my head hurt man and uh, then around the time you find the mural in the ruins which describes what the windfish is yep, and totally. and uh, one of the dungeon bosses as they as you defeat them it's, yeah. e- it's either it's either the fifth or sixth dungeon they say they say hey look once you uh, once you wake the wind fish, then everything's over. Yeah, All everything's of us will over. stop existing. And it's like, yeah, oh, oh man, that's that's serious. I, I think that's the face dungeon guy. I think it is seven. Yeah, uh, no, that's six.
1: Oh, oh, you mean the actual face in the floor? Yeah. Yes. Sorry. Yeah, that's six.
0: Yeah, right. But there's probably uh, I don't remember exactly yeah, they, what every boss says.
1: No, but yeah, they they start to reference it again and again from that point on. Uh, and that's the dungeon I think after the mural. I think five is the mural. I think. Five or six either way uh
0: dun- is right. the fi- the yeah yeah the fifth dungeon is the is the cat is the catfish maw, and the sixth dungeon is the face dungeon which is in the ruins, and I think you visit the ruins in in the between shrine, in right? between five and six yep yeah yeah you're Sorry. Right. Yeah, yeah 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 face shrine. You're right. This game has a lot of weird, unique Nintendo crossover things, and it It goes some really wacky places. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think maybe the strangest Nintendo crossover bit personally is the, uh, um, <laughs> the the giant frog that teaches you the song of life is the yeah. boss is the boss of the Doki Doki Panic Mario Two game. <laughs> <laughs> it's just so, it's like, so... like, like who wanted that guy back, but here he is.
1: But there he is. Yeah, I mean the fact that you know the writing for when you get Marin to sing to the walrus and it's like, you know, now, maybe now is your chance. Like, just, I feel like the localization team, I'm sure I am sure that a lot of the jokes were in the original but I feel like the localization team were given a lot of leeway to have a lot of fun with this game. I, like, I, I love really... the fact that every time you talk to the kids, they're like, you know why are you asking me? I'm just a kid. Mm-hmm. What do you mean, is this all a dream and we maybe we don't exist? <laughs> That's making my head hurt, mister.
0: Well, I mean, I, I feel for localizers of games from the 90s and onward because basically they had to fit English text within a, within the same number okay. of characters as yeah. the Japanese text. So a lot of the time, like, nonsense localizations were forced a little bit. But um, I think the localiz- localization of this game is pretty good. Yeah, I I, uh, I I noticed how clever it was, I mean, replaying it recently.
1: Yeah, it's just, it's so smart. It's so much fun. The self-awareness, especially now having not played it for so long it's also kind of off-putting in certain ways in comparison to most other Zelda games. It's in in a cool way it's just there's something odd in everything about that game and that island because it's just a little bit stranger than every other Zelda game outside of maybe Majora's Mask but even then there's just an oddness to that island and how also because it's it had to be fit on a little Game Boy you know, cart it's not huge, so everything feels very intimate and it's not too hard to get from place A to place B.
0: Yeah, and uh I mean again I mentioned this before, it was originally uh envisioned as a port of yeah, Link port. to the Past. But it it uh eventually, you know, carved out its own niche. It does it does the thing where sort of everything is I mean, the Game Boy had limited buttons of course, but um everything had to be done on the A and B buttons so uh equipping all of your items to either A or B and uh and using them in tandem in certain ways was uh was key to gameplay i mean uh maybe we're maybe I'm bearing the lead here this is the first ga- zelda game that lets you jump
1: yeah with the rock feather which mm-hmm. is the coolest thing
0: the rock feather is watch... all, one of the all-time great zelda items yeah
1: and mm-hmm. if you watch speedruns it's also used for breaking dungeons and Oh, doing a lot of fun stuff.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm sure there's weird glitches you can do with, with the rocks, but even like combining yeah. the rocks, feather with, with uh, the Pegasus boots, with, yeah, and uh-huh. the long jump, yep, and then just a lot of a lot of sh- and even using it just to dodge enemy attacks, uh, which, which mm-hmm. worked, um, for, for some but not all attacks was, uh, was really clever. Uh, yeah, yeah I,
1: I, I love the fact that, uh, You know, especially with the Rock's Feather, you can do such bizarre things. I mean, like you said, jumping over enemies is fantastic. You can do really cool with certain boss fights. Actually, what always felt like action to me when I was younger, felt like I was the coolest person in the world because you would jump over, like you said, an attack and then get your hits in and be like, wow, I just felt like a ninja. It was just a weird (laughs) mobility because of the feather that just felt so fun.
0: Yeah and um I mean every Zelda game has sort of a progression of items that you get that uh increase sort of your arsenal and your um your suite of actions that you can do it's it, I mean they, they it's it's you know influential for almost every modern action game in that way I mean the Zelda series in general but the items yeah. that you get in Link's Awakening are are a little weird for Zelda, I mean, I mean, because the only games where Zelda has this sort of jumping items are are the Game Boy ones until you get until you get you know very very recent like uh, Breath of the Wild sort has a sort of has a jump move in it. L- like some modern Zelda games do go uh, vertical in a lot of ways that uh, the Game Boy games couldn't. But just being able to jump when Zelda was always this sort of grid based two D game was a yeah, bit of a mind it was, blow.
1: It was awesome. The fact that you could do bomb arrows, which I didn't know for years, mm-hmm. that, that to me was one of the coolest things in the world of mixing both items in each slot. Like I didn't think that that was something you could do. You always had to do one or the other.
0: I think bomb arrows are optional in this game. You can um...
1: – Yeah, you never have to use them yeah. ever, ever. But that was one of the – I don't even think they're – And uh, this is not a quote, but I remember always hearing that they weren't supposed to be a thing. It was just one of those things that the game, the way it was made, let you do them at the same time. But I, I because because like you said, there is actually nothing in the game that requires that.
0: I think it's probably something that the designers did put in the game when they were experimenting with. Uh,
1: yeah, but usually but, that stuff gets taken out afterwards.
0: Yeah. Or maybe it was even a late edition. Um, when I was reading some uh, developer background on this game, it uh, they do. Uh, I guess roll over um, several ideas that they wanted in A Link to the Past but couldn't implement, like um, having a giant egg on top of a mountain was something that one of the writers or designers really liked and sort of wanted in A Link to the Past but never happened. Um, and also, uh,
1: Just he, as an idea that was yeah. just like a, a concept they liked?
0: <laughs> it, it was a visual idea that he liked a lot, and it never hmm. happened in The Links to the Past, so uh, w- when he, I think, had a little bit more creative control with this game, he got to make it a central part of the yep. game. And, um, For sure. and And also the dungeon where you collapse one floor to change the the nature and layout of the dungeon was something they wanted oh. in The Links to the Past. But ended My up... least
1: favorite dungeon. <laughs> I hate those columns.
0: Well, okay. Um, let's talk about the dungeons right now because it's a it's a a, a pattern that has repeated in several in a, in all of the Game Boy Zelda games and several of them in general. Basically, eight dungeons that you're intended to complete in sequence. Um, and, and for the for the three ga- um, Game Boy Zeldas, you really have to do those dungeons in order, which is a a change from somehow some Zelda games work because. Uh, those three Zelda games in general have a bit of a Metroidvania thing where you unlock more of the map with each dungeon key item. And yep. uh, and and you, I, 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 maybe there's exceptions, but I think for the two Oracle games and for Link's Awakening, you pretty much have to either finish the dungeons in a specific order or at least get the item from the previous dungeon before you can unlock the next one. I, uh, I can only
1: speak to Link's Awakening, so I can't. Oh, I oh, can't. You,
0: oh, you can't? Oh, So you don't even know about the Rockscape? No, I don't. Okay, okay. Um, the Rock's Feather returns in both of the Zelda Oracle games, which are two, oh, which are right. two D- Game Boy Color games from
1: nineteen
0: ninety nine. I remember them.
1: I just never got to play them. Right,
0: and, and it, one of them has the Rock's Cape, which is basically a double jump Rock's Feather.
1: Oh, that's so cool! Yeah,
0: mm-hmm. it's it's awesome, yeah, and you them. should totally play this. It's
1: amazing.
0: Um, I always three... heard they were
1: great. I always heard they were great.
0: All three of the Game Boy Color. Uh, Zelda games, which are the DX version of Link's Awakening and the two Oracle games, you can get them on 3DS. I think they're about uh, six, seven, eight bucks in that range, and uh, they they go on sale maybe once a year or so. I, I got both of the Oracle games on my 3DS, and regrettably missed a sale for <laughs> Link's Awakening. So when I replayed this, it was on my ancient GBASP. With the uh, <laughs> uh, with the the Link's Awakening <laughs> DX uh, cart, but um, you can get all three of those um, Game Boy Color games on your 3DS, and they're, I I like them a lot, so I highly recommend that. But that's how actually
1: um, how I played uh, Link's Awakening DX.
0: Oh, cool! Uh, on the on your 3DS?
1: On my 3DS. Nice. What cool. happened? Yeah, they're great. I mean, you're right. They they look great and play incredibly well on the 3DS.
0: Yeah, well, at least the, um, the two, I um, I'm in the middle of a of a uh, Oracle of Seasons playthrough right now. I haven't really tried Ages yet because uh, um, maybe you know this, maybe you didn't. I apologize if I'm uh, if I'm over explaining. But um, the two Oracle games have a connected storyline. So once you complete one, yeah,
1: can't you do like a yeah
0: yeah you can do you can send a code to the other one to make the story a little a little different, and then fight a sort of uh, game spanning final final boss at the end of the second one. God, it's so cool. Yeah, and also, and you can send, and also using codes, you can send items and upgraded versions of existing items from the uh, from the first game to the second game if you're playing a linked game.
1: It's more um, nuanced than I thought. I
0: I think I mentioned this in the uh, favorite Zelda episode last week, so I apologize, listeners, if this is me re- repeating myself. But um, uh,
1: you're welcome. You're you're relearning things.
0: <laughs> sure. <laughs> I uh, I had a I had a friend who I'm actually still friends with. This is this isn't a long forgotten person or anything. And uh, and she may return in this episode. You'll uh, you'll see what I mean in a minute. But the Oracle games came out when I was in middle school, and uh, and her last name also began with S. So we were in the same home we were in the same homeroom together. And when they came out, we were both big Zelda fans. We were both big Game Boy fans. Um, she the she only had an NES and a Game Boy. She's I don't uh, I don't think she has a system newer than a uh, newer than a DS, <laughs> uh, <laughs> l- like today. But uh, ba- so each of us planned to get one of those Oracle games. I got Seasons and she got Ages and we played through them aware Ooh. that aware that there was a, a linked capability yep. and uh, and and figuring it out uh, as you know as it as it was happening. And then we traded games, played um played pl- and then played the linked version so each of us could, you know, experience the whole story and eventually i did get my own copy of oracle of ages and we we swapped back there was never there was never any difficulty with that but uh the first (laughs) time i played those oracle uh zelda the game boy color games it was with a friend and we talked about them every day in middle school and eventually traded copies to get our own files there it was a it was a lot of fun and i have a lot of nostalgia for playing them and talking about them with her but okay Rolling all of this back a little bit, um, <laughs> Eagles Tower, the seventh yes. dungeon in the game. I had so mu- I struggled with this so much as a kid. Again, I think I was I think I played this a few years after Link's Awakening came out, so I was probably in the eight, nine, ten age range, and I uh, I didn't have that much difficulty with the game until Eagles Tower. Well, this is a this game is gets challenging sometimes. So I'm not going to say it's an easy peasy Game Boy game, but it was. So I, I, you know, had a, a re- I feel that the difficulty curve for eight year old me was reasonable at least, until hitting Eagles Tower, which I just could not figure out. It was, um, I was uh, knocking th- down
1: those columns.
0: Yeah, the the gimmick of the of there is uh, in the, <clears throat> on the second floor of the of the dungeon there's this big iron ball and four columns and you have to carry the iron ball around the that floor and uh, destroy the columns by throwing the ball at it and getting to them is weird there's there there's some walls you got to bomb and some blocks you have to push and some enemies you have to clear and then get to a, a different part of the same room uh in less than 5 steps so the enemies won't reappear it, it gets weird and But yes. I, I, I couldn't figure out. I think it was the, the, the third pillar or the last pillar that I struggled with. And that same friend that, that I played the Oracle games with, um, she is the one that told, um, told me how to beat that game. I, uh, I started no. to beat that dungeon. But when I moved to a new area and went to a new school uh, and became friends with her, she told me a couple hints or uh, or maybe I I brought out my Game Boy and she said oh you have and showed it to her and said oh you have to do this next kind of thing I don't remember exactly how it went but with, it was her guidance that helped me beat the Eagles Tower and then eventually finished the game shortly after I mean the Turtle Rock the uh, the eighth dungeon is also a, a pretty tough one but I I figured that one out on my own it was I I really need I needed the hump I had to get over was Eagles Tower and then the rest of the game you know happened without a major incident but um you had a similar thing right you got you had but i was stuck at that eagle eagles tower before i moved to the um to the new city um for probably at least a year i don't i don't know exactly how it how long it would i mean my perfect memory i don't have a perfect memory of my childhood year to year
1: (laughs) oh for sure look this is what's weird is when i was stuck on Link's awakening was when i was really really young so let's say between the ages of like Four was when I was playing. Sometimes on my brother's copy, and then when I got it, when I was allowed to finally really kind of play on my own, uh, I was given my own cart. And so I was like six, five. And for the longest time, the what I was stuck on is, and my brother was as well. And I, it's because we never really used the telephone booths for hints. We didn't realize that's what that was.
0: Mm, oh, right. And so, yeah the, uh, yeah, the, the, the often, phone... Oh, right, I yeah, forgot. So there's, some, there's a
1: there's a phone booths.
0: Yeah, there's phone booths, hints. and you can talk to the guy who
1: you there's speak old man to man on the phone. Yeah, Who yeah, an is old man. too, an old man too shy to speak to you in person <laughs> and will tell you, please don't talk to me, go outside to the phone.
0: And there's a phone booth like like two spaces away from his house, and if you talk to him there, it's fine. But if you talk to him at his house, yes, he, he's not That's helpful it. at all.
1: <laughs> but yeah, so those hints are there because there's a lot of obtuse stuff in the game. It'll give you sometimes with the owl, you know, who makes appearances in, in other Zelda games, but the owl who comes to be like, okay, this is the next shrine or the next place you have to go to. This is going to be where the next dungeon is. He'll tell you a location, but, uh, usually when we were, you know, kids, we weren't really paying attention to a lot of that stuff. And when we knew we had to go to the swamp with, uh, don't ask me, I'm owl just a kid. Owl. Yeah. Well, all that stuff. Exactly. Uh, why can animals talk? Don't ask me. I'm just a rabbit. Uh, yeah, yeah the weird... talk, talk opening opening about wow opening to stuff. that second dungeon took me forever to figure out as a kid.
0: <laughs> Talking about games, uh, well, uh, excuse me. Talking about how this game is weird and unique among Zelda games. How about that animal village? Just yeah. a village full of animals that you know that are, that are that are that are that are friendly with humans. Humans visit the animal village. Animals can visit the human village.
1: They love Marin because she sings to them and entrances them.
0: Who doesn't love Marin? I'm I'm pretty sure Link is. Is has the hots for Marin.
1: I don't think so, because there's that hilarious, wonderful scene on the beach, <laughs> which, which I adore, because she's flirting with him, and he's just like, I need to take you to a dungeon. And I think like, there's music. I'm, I'm think- trying to talk about the finer points of life and wishing for something greater, even if it means your own demise, potentially. And he's just like, you're the key to the next dungeon. Come with me.
0: Yeah, she, uh, M- Marin is a is a special character. I think she um is the only person who's who's has a self awareness of that. There's something beyond the island, and, and that there wi- could
1: be something else beyond the island. Yeah, yeah.
0: A, a, exactly. And um, the fact that she's a figment of a of a sort of supreme being or some kind of the figment of its imagination, and she has it's these a ideas.
1: Telepathic that, <laughs> creature.
0: Yeah, this is like this is man. This is going deep. She's she's like a dream of a dream who has her own dreams, mm-hmm. and um, yeah, pretty much. And uh, I think there's mutual interest between uh, Link and Marin. But, I know uh, I'm but, being but by, but man. by then I think so Link funny. yeah, but by then I think Link is already sort of suspicious that none of this is real, and he's a bit of a, he's a quest focused individual. All of the links he's over
1: very goal oriented. <laughs> yes,
0: all of the links over the years are pretty goal oriented, <laughs> yes, and uh, I I mean, you? and and you know many of the links over the years have. Uh, love interests trying to practically trying to jump him but he doesn't show much interest in return.
1: <laughs> no. And in fact, when uh, but again, and we joked about it before but picking her up and then it says, you know, you just got Marin. That's, I mean, that's da, da, your da, da. Yeah. You got and, uh, yeah, and, that, and it's the same victory awesome intense music as when you get your sword at the beginning of the game. Like mm. this is some super special moment. <laughs>
0: Hey, this is a super special moment. You should be able to equip Marin. She only fo- she follows you, but he, she doesn't join your item screen, which is a little disappointing. No, she doesn't.
1: <laughs> yeah, the ocarina to me was always such a, a cool, weird thing in this game. Mm-hmm, right and when Ocarina of Time came out, that I was because that was then the second game. I was the only game I played. Uh, I. I was always like, oh my god, it's the same thing from the Game Boy game. It was there first.
0: And, and there, there is an ocarina in A Link, an ocarina in a link to the Class, yeah. but they call it fl- a flute, which is a weird choice, because it's definitely an ocarina. And
1: I, and I only played, that's a game I only played recently for the first time. Oh, really? Wow. That was one I missed as a kid. Didn't we had an SNES, but only a few games. We didn't really get a lot of games. I,
0: I think I played a Link to the Past fourth because I played um, a Link, the first Legend of Zelda, and Link's Awakening around the same time. Then right. I, I rented Zelda two. I never owned that game, but did not get very far. And uh, when I got a Super Nintendo, yeah, I, yeah, when I got a Super Nintendo, I was very interested in getting uh, a Link to the Past, and I and I did get it and did love it. That's it's a Link to the Past is awesome, but. And and, yes. I, and and I haven't replayed Link to the Past in a long time, but I'm thinking of doing it because I have a shiny new um, uh, Super Nintendo Classic, and it is on there. Yeah. One. So I'm, yeah, I'm, you know,
1: I will say it is delightfully hard.
0: Um. Yeah. A Link to the Past is not um is not the easiest. Because I never played it. it before,
1: so I don't know where to go. Oh, did you want to help? I will say playing it through. Well, no, no, because I I did beat it, but thank oh, okay. you, thank you, much appreciated. If I needed the help, I would definitely be asking for it quietly. Sure. No, totally. I, I, it was so easy, uh, but yeah, I have to say I was shocked at how little that game also tells you what to do. You know, we we get uh, it's a cliche that people say a lot nowadays, but there is truth to it that with the tutorial nature of games now, and very much the it's clear where to go most of the time. Uh, nature of game design and philosophy right now to you know appeal to a very huge audience means you don't uh, get to play many games where they kind of just let you go yeah that was um, again one of the big selling points to breath of the wild it's why people love the souls games it's why a lot of stuff has become popular over the last few years is a return to that philosophy but it was kind of cool playing both in even going through Link's awakening again now i mentioned before forgetting the whole thing about the chicken
0: Oh yeah, the, the, and it
1: was just like, "What am I supposed to do now? In, in I between, see the in, key. How yeah, do be, I get there?"
0: In between the sixth and seventh dungeons, you have to, um, you have to get the third song the in your ocarina.
1: blue chicken.
0: You have to. Well, it's not a blue chicken.
1: It is in the DX.
0: Oh okay. Oh, it's, oh I don't. I don't. I don't remember that. Anyway, For no reason,
1: it's blue. I don't get it.
0: But you have to um, you get the third. You have to get the Song of Life from the giant frog and spend a bunch of rubies to get it. I think probably like three hundred or four hundred or something. Is that, yeah,
1: three hundred.
0: Then play that song in front of the windmill in town, and it will explode. And a uh, no, no, it won't explode. You 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 put you push it to you the side over. Yeah. And, and then go into a small dungeon and then play it. In fr- play the song in front of the bones, yeah. and the uh, and then the flying rooster will revive, and you can use that to float over. A, long... a huge yeah,
1: chasm, basically.
0: Exactly. But the only way to, to know that is if you, um, you can find out parts of that from a phone booth. He'll yes. you, He'll give you some hints towards that. And, uh, there's a house uh, full of chickens in the mountains where the guy t- can will tell you about the legend of the flying rooster. But, uh, in, in general, you're right. Um, like, uh, generally, if a if you refer to a game as handholdy, that's not a positive statement. Uh, it, like people don't want to have every single part of a game ex- expressly presented in front of them, unless it's a, unless it's maybe a visual novel or something. Totally. But, but, yeah, but uh, in general. Uh, the re- the I don't know how recent we can call this because I mean I mean Demon Souls came out nine years ago but I know um, isn't the, crazy yeah, yeah there's still <laughs> yeah but there's something appealing about being dropped into a sandbox or dropped into a a sort of a game and being able to continue in a nonlinear in a non manner with little direction yep. um, Breath of the Wild does a really good job of it because they they give you you know carrots on carrots at the end of sticks to follow. And, uh, very
1: clear the... paths you could take in terms of what mm-hmm. to chase, but a freedom of how to go about it.
0: Yeah, they, it's and, and also they reward you for discovering almost anything new yes. in that game. In in The Link to the Past, I don't think it's – I don't remember it being that hard because if you just check your map, it will always tell you the next thing to go to.
1: Whether yeah, for me, it was always the warps, because you don't see where the warps are. Oh, I, okay. It was just figuring out where they were. That was what was hard. Well, so it wasn't I about difficulty it, of actually, like, this is a hard game to play. I it think just was the, the Ocarina, the Ocarina
0: might, be, um, might be optional in Link to the Past. Do you need it for anything? Wait, no, no, remember. Oh, you know you're right. You need, I'm sorry, I lied. You needed to get to one of the dungeons in the, uh, in, in the Dark World. Oh God, I don't even remember. You do, yeah. There's a, a war uh, for the Swamp Dungeon in the second half of the game. It's a bad
1: to... thing if I don't remember. Yeah,
0: and, mm-hmm. and only to uh, – I think you need the flute to get there. But uh, anyway, we're not talking about Link to the Past. This is an episode You're about not. Link's Awakening. Okay. But, but uh, they are related.
1: They are related. Yeah,
0: they, they are related. And we, did, and we did mention before they had a lot of the same staff work on both games. But um, yeah, back to Link's Awakening. That um, The Eagle Tower Dungeon really messed me up as a kid, and I think it was a similar case for you. Yeah, it and, was. Um it, it, and it is a pretty challenging dungeon and these um and both Link to the past and links awakening I th- I think have fair but occasionally challenging difficulty curves they, these dungeons aren't always easy um and and sure. uh, let's see and I I mean playing oracle of ages recently um that game's dungeons are way too easy at the beginning at least and they don't start getting interesting or um or challenging until about until you clear about the first four I think. Then, then they start getting to the level of a Link to the Past, Link's Awakening level of complexity. Yeah,
1: it's weird. The difficulty to Link's Awakening, uh, so I want to be clear, it's not that the actual moment-to-moment combat, that is, you know, the stalwart 2D Zelda gameplay that we know and love so well, that's not what's difficult to me or wasn't when I was a kid, about Link's Awakening. It was the weird logic puzzles that were almost adventure game-esque.
0: Oh yeah, the machinations
1: of the late dungeons. Um, I would say... The sequence stuff when I was a kid. When, you know, you have a tiny attention span. Or, when you were really young, like me, when I was first playing Game Boy, you don't really read. And then it would be like, you have to trade this very specific thing and then you have to figure out who you have to trade it to and, and un- if you're not talking to every single person you're not going to pick up that hint and so unless, you just walk unlo- around yeah. going, like where the hell do i take this friggin' thing
0: and unless there's something it's about zelda better. 2 that i don't know or don't remember i think this is the first zelda game with a major trade sequence
1: i think and, so as well
0: and they bring that back for uh ocarina of time with the ultimate reward being the big or sword and in uh Yep. Um Oracle of Ages and Oracle of Seasons, where the ultimate um end to that is upgrading your sword from level one to level two. And, and I think there's a bunch of trading nonsense involved in in Majora's Mask, but I haven't played I've only played the beginning of that game.
1: Uh yeah, I can't comment there. But uh that trading sequence really messed with me as a kid, and then when I finally figured it out, that was when I could really beat the game. Mm. I just I just remember around the time of figuring that out, it's a weird just like mental touchstone was also when I figured out a lot of other just random mechanics that the game explained, but I would miss, and then they're never explained again. I like think... I think it took me a little while to figure out how to dive, but I had to uh, dive to get into the fifth dungeon when I was like seven or whatever. No, but, I mean, I get in, then finally I was you, just you have
0: to do some diving in the fourth dungeon that you get the flippers. I in. know, and
1: that's the thing, and it was like, why didn't I just think think of that? I, don't know, I was a dumb kid, I guess, okay. or just didn't pay attention.
0: I think I might have had I was help. Tiny. With... I might have had help with the trade sequence from the friend that helped me beat Eagles Tower. Like, oh, you have to, um, I, I, or maybe, no, I think what happened was I got the magnifying glass, but wasn't really sure what to do with it. And my friend told me, oh, oh there's idea. a there's no a book in, there's a book in the library, and that'll tell you how to get uh, how to navigate the final final area. I think that's true. I don't remember exactly if she told me or not, but I think it's likely. And I remember, and years and years later, when I was reading things about this game, it turns out there's. Uh, I don't know, four or six or eight possible uh, combinations of directions for the egg at the end. So you can't just you can't, it won't always be the same. But like when when you generate yeah when you generate a new save file, um, it it decides at the beginning what's in that what's in that book in the library and how to navigate the egg. So you can't just huh you can't just look af- uh um avoid the the side quest entirely and just check an online guide to find out how to go through the egg. It, it, there's there's one of a set number of random uh, direction uh, sequences. So okay, no idea. You, you, cool. I know too. That's cool. I guess you could check all four of them, or however many there are. But uh, the, you should just do the. Yeah, just the, do the quest. The, yeah, just do the trading quest. It's really
1: the only quest that isn't a dungeon, real quest in that game. Well, I sure. guess the because that's the thing is like the logic stuff, and of course now I know. on well, well, um, the phone. But it's all the stuff of getting into dungeons of like. Okay, bringing like getting Marin into the Walrus is an obvious one, but uh, like <laughs> I said getting Marin to the Walrus is an obvious one. Bow Wow wants to get us into the second uh, dungeon. When I was five, like, that was a huge breakthrough when I figured that out because it was like, oh, oh, I get it. You're the key. I thought that I just was holding on to you because the game was being weird again. I had no idea what the hell was going on. And they just tell you that it's in the swamp. And I thought, okay, I need a key because I needed a key the first time. And then when I realized, oh, the dog was the key. And uh... it was just such a like a head explosion moment. Granted, this probably all took place in the span of like a, you know, a few weeks maybe because I only got to play on weekends. But it felt like forever because as a kid in five years, those four weeks was a huge chunk of my life. And th- there's...
0: Yeah there's a lot of weird um things about this game that we even hardly aren't really even getting 2D to 2D
1: sequences when you go uh, when you get to side scroll which are so yeah, much yeah, fun Yeah 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 well
0: side scroll sequences um which are only Generally, they're only in dungeons and only um, yeah. in sort of un- in sort of like um, unmapped basement floors getting from staircase to staircase. Those yeah, those come like back... Secret
1: pathways kind yeah, of thing. Yeah,
0: those come back a little bit in the Game Boy Color games, but I don't think those have like Goombas and Thwomps and to the level of... To <laughs> and the Piranha level Plants? Of, yeah, to the level of the Link's Awakening at least. And uh, cheap Cheeps? They do... Uh, there isn't really a unified theme connecting all eight dungeons in this game but one of them uh, i think it's the third one it's called the key cavern and i didn't realize this as a kid but it does the zelda one thing where the shape of the layout of the dungeon is the title of the dungeon so, so yeah that. yeah so the 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 map of the key cavern looks like a key and it's also the only dungeon maybe in zelda history where you get an extra key that you don't that doesn't uh, fit into any lock
1: I don't really I, 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 I don't know anymore. the exact
0: I don't know the exact number, but it's something like there's there's uh seven locks in the dungeon and you get and you get eight keys and that's because like towards the end there's a there's like four key blocks you have to unlock all at once. So it's a, <laughs> it, so it it's helpful that there's a lot of that there's a lot of keys available. Right. But uh
1: It was a safeguard just in case someone felt like it was yeah. too much. <laughs>
0: But yeah, I, th- I think it's... It, maybe there's another one, but I think it's the only Zelda game where they give you... Zelda Dungeon where they give you an extra key. I, I, I'd i have to do research cool. to find out if that's like a, that. an error. But yeah, there's a lot of fun, weird gimmicks in Link's Awakening. Uh, I, I I guess we've only talked about um, Eagle's Tower and Key Cavern, and maybe to a lesser, yes. ext- and maybe to a lesser extent, Turtle Rock and the Face Shrine, but do you have a favorite dungeon in this game?
1: If I'm going to say a favorite, it's always going to be the first dungeon, because I've Probably again, as a kid, restarted the game so many times because I didn't know how to get to this into the second dungeon, so I just played the first one to death in terms of like this time going through the actual favorite. I really like the fifth dungeon, which is the one you have to dive into the oh ma.
0: the the catfish maw
1: I really like the catfish maw. I don't know why I for whatever reason, just the rhythm of playing that dungeon and how it flowed it was just the most consistent for me but then again I think it's because the first half of the game I know backwards and forwards in the second half I don't remember nearly as well because uh, I really only played it that second half through once and as a kid I would restart and play through a bunch of the dungeons and then be like eh, I'm fine I don't need to do this and then come back to it months later kind of thing And you know, so the um, second I... half was fun to just kind of be like oh yeah like the face dungeon 6 in those shrines I didn't remember any of that stuff it was all relearned same with the seventh and eighth trines, so that you know, those um, were a little bit more stressful because I didn't I didn't know what I had to do. But at the same time, uh, I definitely think the fifth was my favorite.
0: Um, and yeah, I did, I've been doing some background googling uh, while you were describing the catfish model. I, I think. I was mistaken. It's not just the Key Cavern that has its layout resemble its name. Most of the dungeons in Link's, in Link's Awakening do. Yeah, they do. Because yeah, I know the face yeah.
1: has that cool little thing that I noticed. Yeah, with and, 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 the face. and tur-
0: Turtle Rock looks like a, you know a turtle with le- with a yeah. head and legs and a tail. So, but but that's a, the and Zelda And Eagle one... Tower
1: is just the four tower blocks, I guess. Yeah, um,
0: but it's not true for maybe all of them. But many of them do the Zelda one thing, where the dungeon layout resembles the dungeon name, which is a cool, which is a cool gimmick. I I I like that. Yeah, no, it's fun. uh, But yeah, replaying this uh, recently, so the dungeons are pretty fresh in my mind. I I think the Eagle's Tower gimmick is cool, but my my childhood trauma from it means it can never be my favorite. That part uh... (laughs) where you
1: have to bomb the two chunks of the wall and place the ball in that corridor... That yeah. was one I remember. That took me a while to and, realize. And and oh, the, leave it there, and, and then eventually, and, uh, and, you'll and, and get then there's
0: it. a corridor yeah. where, um, where half of with the blocks on one side are movable and the other side aren't. It make yeah, but it's never really communicated that you you're supposed to push those aside. Was was weird, and yeah. uh, oh man, trying to th- trying to think back to all of these. Uh, it's,
1: Turtle it's Turtle so Rock strange. is
0: challenging because there it has more you know enemies in it and more tough sort of. Uh, combat sequences than other dungeons. And then, yes. and then the the weird gimmick with that one is there's one switch in the entire dungeon that you need to get to <laughs> just to get to the item at the end. And it, it's basically two secretly bombable walls, or I think one secretly bombable wall, to get to that switch, which is hard to find unless you sort of stare at the map and realize there's one last room you have to get to. <laughs> it's um, Turtle Rock wasn't a setback dungeon the way Eagle's Tower was, that where I was, you know... Playing Eagle's Tower for a year or longer, but it, but it's a challenging one too. Um, right. but back to the question of my favorite. Um, uh, I think Catfish Maw is a good choice. I think my favorite is the third one, is the Key Cavern, because um, that you get you yeah, you, you get the Pegasus Boots there, which are a real fun item, and uh, I like the gimmick of there's an extra key and more locks than like any other dungeon in the game, and also to get there, you have to help this guy, Prince Richard. <laughs> um, uh get uh and get his um five golden, golden leaves <laughs> at a, at, a, at a nearby castle. Um, I forget what it was. Uh, Rob Fenner told me this a while ago, maybe it was on another podcast even, but um that's a, a reference to another old uh Nintendo game where uh, where Prince Richard was a minor character
1: oh really yeah that's I'll, I'll, cool.
0: Let me spend a minute googling this
1: uh but yeah i mean this this playthrough was also the first time I acquired twenty seashells to get the upgraded sword. And it was weird because it happened so naturally playing the game. I didn't really feel like I had to search for them that much. And yet somehow, again, just from reminding myself of how dumb I was as a kid, I remember it being impossible for me to find them all. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah the, the Secret Seashell quest is... Um, I, don't, I don't know, it's a pretty good collection quest for, uh, uh, for a really game. It's really not bad. There's, yeah, it's it, pretty um, simple. I think there's only, it's, they aren't that hard to find. I think you only need to find in the neighborhood of 18 to 20 sh- uh, shells. And uh and, How do you and, get the
1: blue but, tunic? That's the one thing I don't know. Or oh, maybe that's just a DX version. Is that also in it's the only,
0: it's only in the DX version. It's uh, mm-hmm. a secret dungeon in the graveyard where uh where you do some color themed puzzles, and at the end huh. of the at the end of the dungeon you get to choose between the red tunic, which doubles your attack power, and the blue tunic which doubles your defense.
1: Interesting. Mm-hmm. I don't know that. It's I'll worth Go it. back and, and try that out
0: because I always, uh, yeah, always I have to take the red tunic. Yeah,
1: why, why would you not want to do more Always again? take yeah, it's, it's always basically, the glass down.
0: Yeah, always, basically permanent piece of power.
1: Yeah, <laughs> it was exactly. like,
0: like, why not? Exactly. But anyway, um, I, I did find the Prince Richard reference, uh, again, with background Googling. There's a Game Boy <laughs> game that's Japan-only from 1992 called Kairu no Tame ni Kane wa Naru, which is, uh, basically translates as For Frog the Bell Tolls, which is similar to the, <laughs> similar to the um, Japanese translation of... Uh, for whom the bell tolls. Really? Yeah, it looks like it's a little um, action game starring Prince Richard, and uh, frogs feature prominently. And the song that plays in Richard's villa is the an arrangement of the theme song of that game, <laughs> which cool. is a, a cute reference that um, I definitely didn't get as a kid. Absolutely
1: not. Not not even close for this guy. I did not know that was a thing at all. But yeah, I person... was confused by the talking monkey. First and foremost, as a kid. Well,
0: Kiki the monkey also features prominently in uh, a link to the past because you I mean, you need help from the monkey to yeah. get in, to get into one of the dungeons near the middle of the game.
1: Yeah, with the uh, that maze. But mm-hmm. that's the thing It's like I I didn't know that. So playing that game for the first time, I was like, why is this talking? <laughs> monkey? And, and
0: you're know, looking at uh, art assets of this um of this for Frog the Bell Tolls game. Uh, it looks like that. The frog that teaches you the song, the "Song of Life," is from that game and not Mario Two, even though it, uh, okay. it, it, it you know, might it
1: be. looks like that and it felt like an homage. Or, it's more of the maybe the other. Or
0: it, it, it might be that the Mario Two frog found his way to the uh, this for Frog the Bell Tolls game, and then and then uh, went to Zelda: Link's Awakening. It's, uh, but we just weren't aware of the second step in the in the chain. And this yeah. Prince Richard and Prince Richard's art assets from. This old Game Boy game, uh, kind of he. I mean, he has a sword and a shield and a and a sort of a floppy hairdo. He he's kind of like an alt universe Link in a frog themed action <laughs> game. <laughs> okay,
1: okay, sure. Why not? Yeah. So we'll
0: uh, I don't think we're gonna do a retro encounter episode on For Frog the Bell Tolls yeah, anytime, anytime soon. But this, it's a it's a cool little reference.
1: Yeah, I uh, I also just love again, and it's the sense of humor thing that I, I feel like is unique to this game. But this is such a bizarre thing. But it just made me think about it with the trade sequence because you said we were talking about Kiki the monkey and the bananas. Yeah. But yeah, I love how yeah, early yeah. on it, with the baby room, uh, with the, the baby, you have to give the doll to, if you talk to the husband, he will be like, hey, I'm going to be lost in the mountains later. <laughs> <laughs> me. And you and... can still tell you that at the beginning of the game. And then yeah. when it happens, it's just like, oh, that's that's awesome. Oh, that's amazing!
0: <laughs> that's a, that, that's some self-aware humor there, and, and this is a very self-aware Zelda game. It, I think it's it, it's um, it celebrates its own weirdness sort of throughout, and uh, and, and the humor is both yeah. explicit and occasionally wacky, but also kind of tongue-in-cheek. Like, yeah, we know this is a video game, and we're getting weird. Get get yeah. over it. Oh, I
1: had this weird dream where I was a raccoon. It's and
0: true, true. and uh, I, I know you weren't on the episode, Chris. But when we were recorded the episode from last week, the favorite Zelda episode, we we talked about um, how certain games, like a, like Wind Waker specifically, are you know speci- are celebrations of Zelda weirdness because sometimes this yes, series
1: that's what makes that game great. Yeah, yes, yeah, that it doesn't take itself so seriously, and it's a little bit, and then, and then at the same time, it can with its lore. Sorry, we're getting yeah, off topic. No,
0: no, 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 uh, no. It's, it's on topic as long as it's about Zelda. I mean, Zelda sometimes is a self-serious series with a, uh, which you know, is fine, which, yeah. which is which is fine. I mean, it's a it's an adventure game, and you're tra- and you're fighting monsters and rescuing a princess a lot of the time. So there, it, it has you know, like. Uh, it's moments of self seriousness like Legend starring Tom Cruise way back in the day, which yeah. which alleged, <laughs> which allegedly was one of the inspirations for the original Legend of Zelda's look. Yeah, which is crazy. But uh but I mean all Zelda g- has gets real wacky and you're, you know, helping monkeys build monkey bridges and yeah. and uh, a personal favorite of mine is the uh minigame Proctor in uh, Wink in Wind Waker who has the sploosh sound effect.
1: Yeah <laughs> yeah. yeah, and look, to be <laughs> fair, and you mentioned you pretty much said it as well. Most Zelda games, I think, have always had that fun and kind of whimsical thing going on because, at the end of the day, there are fairies and there's magic and there's it's a, a very simple story of boy sword take over the you know defeat the evil creature. Uh, and yeah, I mean, Wind Waker, I think Ocarina of Time has that kind of whimsical thing with a lot of its cast. Definitely Medora's Mask, although it gets very dark. It's just really only in some of the moments. I mean, more I mean, I mean, I, 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 I mean, Ocarina out. of Time. Does,
0: I mean, does have moments of levity, but also you draw the Master Sword and then you go to the castle town and oh, suddenly, of full, suddenly. Full but that's what I mean. It
1: has, it has <laughs> the, it has the. We have the serious story, but at the same time, there is a lot of goofy stuff that goes on in that game, and a lot of characters that you talk to that are zany and bizarre and weird, and yet you know they get yeah, to exist. I, I, and... I
0: haven't played every Zelda game, but. The majority that I've neither played, but I, that's The
1: Twilight uh, Princess is the one that I think that is why a lot of people always feel like oh. No. Well, I it's mean, it's not. Sometimes it's too serious, but that's really the only one that's. that's I, I, only I, one well, I, I, think,
0: I think Twilight Princess is a, a, a slight overcompensation because exactly uh, the yeah, there was it's a
1: reaction a... to what people said at the offset of uh, Wind Waker when they thought and, it was and, too convenient. but
0: Wind Waker was very well received in general but there was a vocal outcry saying that it was yeah, it was okay. not dark enough and not and not the you know second Ocarina of Time that they wanted and i think that Twilight yeah, somehow Princess Somehow the game is...
1: sold really well but they listened to that No it
0: had a ton of critical acclaim like it was getting like get oh, like 90s and 95s across the board Oh but, uh, trust me uh, i
1: know but that but somehow <laughs> there was this consensus that it wasn't hardcore enough and somehow that got to Nintendo because they Admitted that that's something that they they remember hearing, consistently about their game that it wasn't edgy enough. It wasn't yeah, you know. And, and shadow high and, Death and shadow and
0: darkness was definitely a uh, a subplot of Twilight Princess, and I think Twilight Princess is good. I just don't. I, I mean I sort of like it. Wind is Waker, Be- Wind Waker
1: better better and the difference is it's just not nearly as delightful and fun and. And also the tie-in that Wind Waker played so wonderfully to Ocarina, which was such a important game to so many people.
0: Mm, yeah. Just well, I better, mean, so. if you want to get into Zelda the timeline play. stuff...
1: Oh, God, let's not, because well, I remember being yeah, so it, it excited for weird, that Hyrule yeah. Historia, and then actually reading through it and being like, you guys had no idea what this was until you sat down to write this book.
0: <laughs> yeah, the, the, the time travel, travel shenanigans get bad, and it will end I think that's false. Actually, they did have a Zelda timeline. I know
1: they did. That, that,
0: that they were cool. curating, um, but it's—it doesn't uh, feel you know, like it. Let's not talk about it now because I mean, this is a, supposed to be an episode about Link's Awakening, and Link's Awakening fits pretty well, easily. It's, it's,
1: yes, yeah, it it's fits just pretty easy. a dream. <laughs> I, I think
0: I think it's direct. I think it's supposed to be directly after um a Link to the Past, but the it, past. Can, it can fit in. Almost anywhere on the timeline, because Link goes out on a raft to explore is, is you know, uh, enough of a guide in chapter that it, it doesn't really... Yeah, it's really...
1: like Adol having to just go off and seek adventure.
0: Well, okay, Adol, he's a different age in each of the games that he, uh, that he um, takes
1: part in, so... I'm just saying, so, it's so like it, how it is he just to be goes off <laughs> for adventure, I'm not saying in comparison to all the Zelda games, I'm just saying conveniently, they like to seek adventure.
0: Hey Nintendo, make an East Zelda crossover game for the Switch. Make it happen. It's what the fans that, want.
1: That would be tremendous, it, it, especially not, if it was old school. It's not yes. ever going to
0: happen. This is this is totally the realm of fan fiction. But I, I think I think awesome. Adel and Link are like you know one A and one B for you know the the greatest silent protagonist with swords and shields.
1: Oh yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> especially those PSP. I know they're on Steam as well, but those PSP. Uh, Felghana at especially i just think it's such a great game yeah well um sorry side topic we're no 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 we we well, well, no, no, we're,
0: we're going to stick to east for a second because i i think basically <laughs> like east was always pretty good and very influential and important but it didn't get you know i don't think it it became great until they did that sort of soft reboot around 2000 because every um when they did the when they did the east 1 and 2 remakes and then started making yep. uh and then did the you know, East Six onwards, they tried to f- have the East games and their remakes relate to each other better, and I think that enhanced the series as a whole. Because like the original East Three, um, is pretty terrible, and East Four had three different versions made by different companies, so they and that were that weren't you know talking to each other. So it's it's kind of I diffic-
1: only it got introduced to them with the PSP titles, and yeah, that so it- that was my introduction and. Gotta say that was that was a great way to discover those games.
0: I I got into them late as well, but like East didn't get really East was always good. It didn't get you know great nearly as much recognition. Partially Uh, because of the platforms it was on too. Yeah, I would say in in the two thousands with the East one and two remakes. That's when is is when is what is you know the official turning point where East went from weird but good to awesome. And now I anticipate every East game hotly, and I have a copy of east 8 waiting for waiting to be played but i'm too busy with things <laughs> like like zelda month and retro encounter what's up with that
1: i know how could they get in the way <sighs> how dare sweet they. sweet east
0: but anyway i i i worry i mean if we're talking about east and you know tom cruise movies from the early 80s <laughs> yeah
1: legend yeah of course Ridley <laughs> well, scott
0: well, that's Ridley scott isn't it and that's a you like that yeah And then that's a real weird uh, Tim Curry role, and then maybe not one of my favorite playing pretty much Satan. Yep, (laughs) he's he's not quite like this. Not not quite as cuddly as he is in say you know Clue. (laughs) Yeah, or or Adam's Family Reunion.
1: No, it's not the Home Alone two guy.
0: (laughs) No. Uh, All right, yeah, he is. I keep forgetting he was in Home Alone two, even though he has a a fairly major role. in He's the bad
1: guy bellhop.
0: A yeah, concierge he, guy, not Bellhop, I apologize. Yeah, no, he he's above a bellhop. He's the he's the hotel concierge, or maybe even concierge. a manager level guy. Yeah. But uh but anyway. Enough about Tim Curry, enough about Tom Cruise, enough about Adol Adol Kristen. Uh we've Ancient been Awakening's
1: talking about It's a great game. It's, it's a great, really great. Game. It's still great. it's weird and obtuse but it's great
0: i played it in 2018 and it still felt great and i even uh espoused its greatness last week on a podcast but it was mostly to deaf ears because i was the only person that voted for league's awakening in our uh, also a lot
1: of people do hate this game a lot of people hate this game what assholes
0: hate this game come on a
1: lot of people think it's like this it's it's an overappreciated kind of bastard those those people
0: were never a you know Preteen child struggling with their Game Boy, figuring out how to move that marble, that iron ball oh, God, around to the marble yeah, pillars. Figure
1: out just how not to fall down one of those damn holes and then have to start all over again. Yeah, that was that was that was mm-hmm. the rage meter at one those when I was idiot. A kid.
0: Like, if you hate this game, then you are a troglodyte who's upset you can't Twitch Scream game. Well. Boy.
1: To be fair, I, I didn't mean to, to just be negative about how could people dislike it. But there oh, is that, something that's how I mean to be. I know. I know, I know you do. I'm, just, I'm clarifying that while that hatred is justified, I agree, that what it does interest me that mm-hmm. there is a, a large group of people, or I've at least heard of a lot of people, argue why it's not a good game. And it's for a lot of the reasons that we're talking here of all its weirdness. I'm not trying to be like, it's cool because it's not cool, because I think more people like this than don't. Hmm. But it's just it's just a reminder that it clearly is a little bit of an outlier, and it's just such a, such a delightfully strange game. I don't know how else to put it. It's just it's, so it, it, odd it, in the best way possible.
0: It's odd, but sometimes Zelda is odd, and uh, I think Link's Awakening is just a good Zelda game. Um,
1: yes, yeah, that for sure.
0: And as I said before, it's not that hard to find a... Uh, a ver- a playable version of this nowadays because you can find it on the 3DS yeah. shop
1: and like I said it plays wonderfully on that virtual console version it's really great right on I so do uh, it
0: I I probably will um, check sales every month until I can get yeah. this for three dollars instead of six but and now the, I uh... <laughs> have to do that
1: with the Oracle games
0: mhm I I remember I got them right at the end of 2017. It was like it was November December when they were on sale. But it's I don't like Nintendo um, eShop sales are you know not quite as aggressive as Steam sales, but they they happen often enough that I'm sure you won't have to wait that long.
1: Oh for sure, it'll pop up again, especially with this being the last year and a half of the 3DS's push. I assume. uh... Who knows? Who knows? Who knows?
0: Yeah, I mean, well, mm-hmm. the 3DS eShop will probably stay a long time because they aren't even oh, shutting—they aren't even shutting around. down the Wii eShop until uh, the end of 2018. It's a, it's, it's officially dead January 1st, 2019. So I, I think you'll be able to find these the Game Boy Zelda games on the 3DS for a while. Oh yet. yeah, for a
1: while, mm-hmm. for a while.
0: But all right, I think we're about exhausted. Link's Awakening discussion. We, yes, like, we both we both like this game a lot. There's a lot of we it's didn't even one. we didn't even mention Terran and his and his raccoon adventures.
1: No, but there's, there's yeah, a, his little <laughs> weird tanuki almost suit, his almost tanuki suit.
0: And we didn't even mention like what the wind fish is—a magical tattooed flying whale, which might be yeah, the same giant
1: flying whale,
0: which might be the same as the ocean king in Phantom Hourglass. I'm not not sure about that. I'd had I had to, I would oh, have no. to play Phantom Hourglass to check, and that's something I'm unwilling. Yeah, I've not do. played that game. But there's a lot going on in The Link's Awakening. It is super weird and super cool, and I think it comes from a recommendation from both of us. Sorry, Chris. don't want to put words in your mouth necessarily. No,
1: you're right. 100%. Uh,
0: right on. Okay. And I think that does it for episode 131. Thank you so much, listeners, for pulling up with all P- – pulling up? <laughs>
1: <laughs> Putting up with all of our... Putting
0: d- up with all of our nonsense.
1: <laughs> shenanigans and strangeness.
0: Um, we're in the middle of Zelda month right now, but we have two more weeks to go before it's through. Um, one episode is going to be an exploration of Zelda traditionalism that we're not really sure what to title yet. I mean, we're, we're uh, I'm thinking maybe what is Zelda? Maybe for the love of Zelda? I don't know. It's, I, I, haven't, <laughs> I haven't figured it all out yet. Um, for the
1: love of Zelda.
0: Exactly. And uh, the second episode, um, or I should say the last episode of Zelda month, is going to be... all. All about the Legend of Zelda: The Minish Cap, and Chris, you and I will be back to talk about that game, that uh, right. that GBA gem, which I don't know. I don't know if it's appreciated enough or underappreciated, but well, we can we can you know uh, explore the semantics of Minish Cap reception. Yeah. At the time. In a cool
1: way, as a, as I would say, a nice little uh, tie-in to this game. It's a game that uh, I think it's underappreciated because it wasn't developed by, n- by Nintendo. So it gets that weird stepchild uh, effect. Sure,
0: well, maybe. Um,
1: I, right, I mean, the, the, again, the, the Capcom effect just means that people can say, well, the, you know, it wasn't really an intended Well, okay, okay, I
0: mean, the, sure, we'll, we'll save that discussion for Minish Cat. but I'm, I'm also a Capcom fanboy who loves the Oracle games, which were also de- developed by Capcom Flagship. So, oh, I know. Um, that's, that's
1: like that weird thing of where all three of them, I just, again, this is the dumb stuff of I'm remembering conversations when I was a kid. And so it's very possible that I just had a friend group that weirdly had that as a sticking point. And clearly they're no longer your friend group. Actually, it is very true. I don't know who. I don't speak to any of these kids. But, uh, is, but like, again, you know, I mean, I'm, a,
0: I'm, I'm but... a Capcom fanboy that has at times tried to defend Street Fighter V and has over a hundred <laughs> and has over 160 hours into Monster Hunter World. Which I mean, by, by the time this episode uh, that game
1: has taken over the world. You're not alone there. Oh, I
0: love that thing. Like, but, I mean, I, I talked about this on an episode two months ago. But I was a uh, I played so much Monster Hunter on the PSP. And then, became, yeah, a bit, you, and then oh. became a bit of a lapsed fan, and would even uh, would even like deride Monster Hunter for being for its weaknesses in the intervening, you know, seven years between the, between uh, between playing them back in the day and the present. But now I am back on but the bandwagon. I am so back. It, it feels like coming home. It really does.
1: So cool. Uh, I was good time for games. Good time for games. Great
0: time for games. And Link's and Awakening is awesome. Link's Awakening is awesome. But you know what's also awesome? What? Super Mario RPG Legend of the Seven Stars. Yes, that, it is that is our video game for May for retro encounter so we will have two Woo! two episodes devoted to that coming next month. uh one of the panelists on that um episode has never played the game before, so I'm very very eager to listen to um, her reaction to it but we uh we will save that discussion for may uh listeners if very you want to cool. if you want to reach us, the best way to do so is to email retro at rpgfan.com you can also comment on the boards on rpgfan. com which you know they aren't exactly popping like they used to be, but they're still around. <laughs> or also visit RPG Fan on Facebook, uh, or RPG Fan Com on Twitter, or RPG Fan's Discord page, which you can find um, advertised on the front page of RPG Fan. Uh, also, please review us on iTunes or Google Play, or uh, um, leave a comment on either of those. However, you listen to the podcast, we love feedback. We read all of our feedback. We read every email, yes, and we, we respond to most of it. If, um, if we can, we try if our If we best. can. We, we read everything that's directed to us and we're pretty good about responding most of the time. And also, I mean, uh, we're not the only uh, podcast on RPG Fan. There's also Random Encounter, which is focused on current events and is hosted by, for many years, Rob Steinman and from now on, Derek Heemsbergen. And we also have an RPG Fan Twitch page with streaming basically every evening, speaking uh, as, you know, a resident of North America evening time. And, uh, and, I don't know if it's every single night, every single day, but there is always something streaming on Twitch and if you want to see what is being streamed at a given time, you should check the Twitch page and RPG fans front page. So uh Chris, if a listener wants to get in touch with you directly, what's the best way for them to do so?
1: Or best way, way to do so or, would or be ways to... or ways I guess. <laughs> uh you can check out my work at rpgfan.com uh or you know, just find me on Twitter at, at Chris Kubauer. If you really want, you could go to my website, but that's not worth it. Don't do that. Well, maybe,
0: maybe if a you know uh, a television or or SoundCloud producer wants to oh God, wants yeah. your dulcet tones for if something, you like,
1: if you would like to pay <laughs> me to do th- work for you, please. Good lord, get in touch. Uh, otherwise, yeah, you could Google audiobooks and stuff like that. Other stuff I work on, but only if you're interested. You
0: cannot find me on audiobooks or uh, the inter- or entertainment other than this podcast, <laughs> probably for the but, best.
1: But uh, uh, I disagree. But we need your uh, voice on sure. these airwaves, my that's, friend. That's
0: sweet of you. But uh, if you, but listeners, if you want to reach out to me, the best way to do so is probably via Twitter. I am at the Real Monsoon most of the time, and also at Evoger for Dogs when I want to talk about weird stuff that I'm not comfortable putting on at the Real Monsoon. Um, and so, the I'll, best stuff. Go there for the sure. best stuff. I'm also Monsoon on the RPG Fan forums and Monsoon Mike on Discord. So, cool, I think that's about it. We both love Link's Awakening, even though this episode was not all about Link's Awakening.
1: No, it's about everything that Link's Awakening also made us think about.
0: That is a very accurate
1: statement. <laughs> I'm trying to be weird.
0: Listeners, thank you. Good night.
1: Good night. Have a good one.